0: hey this is joe castiglione and you're listening to not another socks podcast
1: can you believe it Buenos noches amigos. Welcome to Not Another Sox podcast. I am your host tonight. My name is Ian Doran. As you know, I am currently one of the lead producers on the show. Um, tonight, I have a very special guest on. I have Suzanne Fountain, who works with the Jimmy Fund and is here to talk a bit about the work that the Jimmy Fund is doing in their partnership with the Red Sox. Hi, Suzanne. How are you?
0: Hi, thanks for
1: having me. Oh, it's, it's an honor. And when you think about some of the organizations associated with the Boston Red Sox, I, I don't know if there are any that, that live up to the name that the Jimmy Fund and the partnership that the organization has with the Boston Red Sox. So it's, it's truly an honor to have you on. Thank you. I, uh, I'd love to know a little bit about you. You know, where, where did you, uh, start. Where did you study, and how did you find yourself to come in to the Jimmy Fund? Wow, um,
0: well, I grew up <laughs> in Massachusetts, so I kind of, you know, loved the Jimmy Fund almost as a kid. You didn't know there was any other charity in Massachusetts. It was everywhere. It was, um, and we also had a family, uh, mem- not a family member, but a cousin who, at a young age at two, went to the Jimmy Fund Clinic. Unfortunately, didn't make it but had such a great experience but there's Red Sox you listen to it you heard about the Jimmy Fund everywhere you went so I went I became a teacher moved to Maine became a teacher and then I wanted to do something more came back to Massachusetts and got a master's in management and decided I didn't want to teach I wanted to do something more and ended up I I knew I didn't want to be in banking or insurance but I loved fundraising and probably i been here over 30 years. And back then you didn't really go to college for fundraising, but you learned about all the different aspects. And I, I loved events. And you either love events or you don't. Because <laughs> they're crazy and you build up and it, you meet the most wonderful people. And you have the event and they'll, a lot of people are so nervous and say, oh, I don't know if I can do this again. It's so much work. And by the end of the night when their event goes off, they're saying, okay, what day are we going to do it next year? So it's just a true <laughs> grassroots you know, very much grounded in New England and beyond, but just everyone, little, from children, to, there's no age limit to things that you can do with the Jimmy Fund. So
1: it, it truly encompasses everyone that wants to support cancer research. Uh, that's incredible. And it, actually, I'm from Maine. What part of Maine were you teaching in? <laughs> uh,
0: I, I never taught in Maine, interestingly enough, but I went to the University of Maine, um, in Farmington and I lived at Sugarloaf for quite a while.
1: No. We
0: still have a place in, if you were from Maine, you may know East Machias, which is way up.
1: I do and way up there. But...
0: So all over Maine.
1: Wow. In, incredible. I'm so happy where, to know that. Where are you from? I'm from Camden near where the snowball would be if you're a big skier. Very
0: nice. Yeah, I love Camden.
1: <laughs> it's, it's so incredible to make that connection. And of course, I, I'd love to ask you more about that. But uh, to really focus on on the Jimmy Fund and, and the work that the Jimmy Fund is doing, what's what's kind of a high level overview? Uh, of course, a lot of our listeners are big Red Sox fans and know the Jimmy Fund, but what's a high level about what the Jimmy Fund does and how it's supporting the community?
0: Well, we've been we just celebrated 75 years, and it's a really critical source of funding for Dana Farber. Most of it's unrestricted dollars that we raise and can be used wherever it's most needed in the institute. We build a pipeline of future donors um, to Dana-Farber, and we've raised, as best we can tell, probably, oh, well over, because a lot of the money way back when, 75 years ago, you couldn't track, but, you know, 1. $1.6, 1. $1.7 maybe close to two, just from people giving at wow. the movie theater or when they're checking out at a counter or doing an event or lemonade stands, and our relationship goes back. We started in 1948. We were with the Boston Braves, did a a radio broadcast in May 22nd, and we just celebrated that 75 years of success in May again this year, but it was Lou Perini who owned the Braves at the time, supported the Jimmy Fund, and then when he left town, he asked Tom Yockey if he would adopt the Jimmy Fund, and kind of it's history. He adopted the Jimmy Fund, announced the partnership, and it really for us was the beginning of Probably the most unique, long-standing, visible relationship, if you will, with a charity in the history of professional sports. And, and people often call me and say, you know, we have such and such a team in our town. How do we create a Jimmy Fund? And I said, you need 75 years. It's just history. <laughs> Grandparents pass, passing it on to their grandkids or parents. It's, you know, it's just been a fabulous relationship. And then when the hockey sold the team, we were immediately embraced by the team's current owners. So it's, it's been a wonderful relationship and continues to be.
1: That's so great to hear, especially because with the Boston Red Sox and the Jimmy Fund, it's reached a point where it's hard to think of one without the other. They, they have such a strong, synonymous relationship. And uh, obviously that's that's fantastic for the research that the Institute does, mm-hmm. right? And just as much for the Boston Red Sox to, to support and give back to the community. Uh and I have to ask if there is an official, the Jimmy Fund lemonade stand.
0: <laughs> we not official. We have many, and it, it's wonderful to see kids out doing that. And I've been in the theaters watching the theater collections, and literally, we'll see, someone you know a kid say to the parents, "Can I have a doll?" And they will run down to put the money in the can so that they don't get missed when they're passing the can around in the theaters. So, wow, just, there's so many great stories, but it you know it's just a wonderful. Way to give back. And in matter of fact, I was, speaking of Maine, riding up on the chair list with somebody, and I mentioned that I did something with cancer research, and they said, oh, the Jimmy Fund, and they were probably 10 or 11, and I said, how do you know the Jimmy Fund? They said, oh, we listen to Ken Coleman all the time when we listen to the radio broadcasts of Maine, and that's how we, we know it because Ken talks about the Jimmy Fund. So the visibility we have through our relationship with the Red Sox to so the radio telethon and much more is just incredible.
1: Yeah, does the does the Jimmy Fund extend its reach beyond New England, Massachusetts, Maine? Where what is some of the uh, the extent of that reach? Where where can we hear more about the Jimmy Fund outside of New England?
0: So we have a real strong community that supports Dana Farber in Florida. A lot of our donors go to Florida during the winter. We have golf tournaments down there. We have you know through the years we've had donors in Ohio. We have when we do our radio telethon. Most every year, I safely say every year, we get gifts from every single state. We have a map and we actually take the map, you know, as states give somebody from Wyoming gives, we fill in Wyoming and we actually take it down the first day and put it back up again and refill it the second day. So we get gifts literally all over the country, all over the world. People that ride in our Pan the Challenge are from many, many different countries and it's it's fabulous.
1: How does the Jimmy Fund utilize that money? What does that money go to and how is it supporting supporting the research?
0: So the, as I started to say in the beginning, it's what we call unrestricted money. So it's not many people do events and say, you know, my loved one has had an experience with breast cancer. I want to support one of our breast cancer doctors. And then others just raise money to support Dana-Farber because they truly trust in what Dana-Farber does and they know their money will be well spent. So it, it depends and it's really up to the discretion of the board and the president of where it's needed most each year. You may get heavily funded from a donor or a grant in, I'm making this up, but in breast cancer one year. So the need may not be there. It may be in pediatrics, but depending on what we're doing in a given year, research wise and even patient care, you know, we're able to use it's flexible spending money, and it really is critical. I've heard Dr. Salen, who is one of our amazing pediatric doctors, say, mm-hmm. I couldn't do what I do if it weren't for the Jimmy Fund. I can get research started. You know, you have young researchers that maybe haven't written enough grants yet, but I know I have that seed money from the Jimmy Fund to get research and projects started, and then they'll get funded by the government oftentimes.
1: Incredible. And, and not only is, is the Jimmy Funds such a great philanthropic organization, but, uh, it, it is one of the, the leading team of experts, right? That, that really work in, in research, uh, cancer research and pediatric cancer research and, and how to fight that. Uh, the, the work that they do is incredible. I just can't stress how much of a fan I am of the organization. Who's they? Your nice
0: balance of 50-50 patient, care and research and so you're literally we often use the term bench to bedside so you're getting the latest research at your bedside when you come to Dana Farber
1: who's Dana Farber
0: (laughs) Uh, well Dr. Farber was the original doctor founder pretty much of chemotherapy Mm -hmm. and then the Dana is after the Dana Foundation Mm -hmm. which supports us
1: excellent I'm, I'm so glad to, to be able to share that with the team. And as long as we're talking about like who the people are, who's Jimmy? Jimmy was Aina
0: Kastersen from New Sweden, Maine. And I actually was, you talk yes. about the people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> truly started the Jimmy Fund and he had a specific cancer and literally would get a ride down with some of the people that were coming to Maine to be treated. And it was really early in the 50s, well, late 40s, actually. And he, we were able to give him the medicine he needed, the chemo he needed, and treat his cancer, which was almost unheard of back in the late 40s, early 50s. And then he, you know, we called him Jimmy to protect his anonymity. And Mm. when we celebrated, I forget, I think it was one of our 50th anniversaries, a woman in our PR department, Karen Cummings said, Oh, I found Jimmy. And we thought, okay, you know, we've, everyone has come forward and said, I'm Jimmy, you know, cause it, Jimmy and somebody was treated in the cape or the, you know, <laughs> Austin. So we verified it. The Braves had given him a uniform and we, you know, did our homework and it truly was I And we also always said he was the nicest man. He did a lot for us before he passed away and he, if we ever typecast or did a movie for Jimmy, we would have had him showing it. That's who you would think Jimmy would be, just the nicest, most humble person and just so grateful. And now his daughters and his family, his grandchildren are still
1: involved with the Jimmy Fund, which is mm. nice. And aren't we all Jimmy on the inside? a we little? We are bit, all right? Jimmy.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So and what is, is I am Jimmy? And it, it really encompasses everyone.
1: So. I am Jimmy. I love I that. Jimmy. I love that. I'm going to put that as as one of the headliners of our episode. You know how they say, well, podcast description, what happens here? And then you post it on your social media. I am Jimmy. I, I love that. And, and what does the Jimmy Fund do? I, I know you touched on this a little bit beforehand. What does the Jimmy Fund do, not just to support research, but to support people currently affected, to support current patients and families that are Affected by cancer.
0: So the charity fund is a, is a fundraising arm, as the way I think of it, and raises money for Dana Farber. So our money allows Dana Farber to have only the socials um, needs, psychological needs, anything that our patients need. So they treat the patient and the whole family. Really, they have everything at their service. If whatever you need, you're assigned somebody to help you figure out your cancer journey from start to. Hopefully, being in our survivorship clinic, and that money could support nursing. It could support, you know, uh, social work. It could support uh, patient care. It all of those things, just depending on the need. And I think it allows us. We have our uh, pre quality of life clinic for both children and adults. Mm. That's heavily funded by donor money, so we can then have you come back and we follow you, depending a year whatever your, you know, need is. But we also learn from the patients, so. We gave you X drug. How did that work 10 years from now? Were there anything that we need to know that we can go back and address treatment that we're giving people now? And that was really funded by it's kind of come full circle because it was Lou Perini's, I think it would have been his grandson that was treated. That's <laughs> the way. And then his parents went on and supported, raised money through golf tournaments and walks and everything else. To start the A Pre- Quality of Life Clinic at Dana Farber.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow.
0: It's, it's just ironic how things like that happen.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty serendipitous to think about, and it's even cooler to think about, right? If I'm if I'm breaking this down in my brain, okay, that the Jimmy Fund works as as strongly a financial resource, but just as much so, recognizing how those finances. Support the other things the clinic is doing, like quality of life, as you mentioned, which is a huge part in the diagnostics and improvement of cancer patients. So, with with recognizing how those financial resources uh, positively affect patients, um, how how does how does some of that? I'm trying to think of the best way to to put it. I guess. I'll cut out about two minutes of that. I started <laughs> off, I don't know if this ever happens to you, right? You start off, you're like, oh, man, it's the best question I could ever ask. And then you get yeah, into It doesn't come like, out. It's in your mind. Oh, yeah. my God. Right. And the train just derails. So that's kind of where we are. <laughs> <laughs> We've de- derailed at South Station.
0: But I can tell you, that just to answer your question, I mean, we we do revolutionary science and just what we think of as extraordinary patient care. Um, And what we learn at Dana Farber really, you know, some of our researchers go on to other places. It's shared, and it really changes how changes lives everywhere. So it's it's so powerful. We have um, one of the largest cancer clinical trial programs in the nation. We have over 1,100 active trials. All that's helped in part funded by money that's raised through the Jimmy Fund. You know, amazing science scientific breakthroughs. Bill Kalin got the Nobel Prize Award a few years ago. It's just very proud of all the things that happened at Dana-Farber.
1: You, you clearly have a lot of, uh, a lot of meaning. The, the work gives you a lot of meaning to support people in this way. Well, what's, what's a rewarding experience in your, in your very long, successful career that stands out to you, that inspires you to continue your work with the Jimmy Fund in the way that you have?
0: Gosh, there are so many. And I, I can remember it, it just I've been there for a long time. But what's kept me there is just the breakthroughs and the people you meet. And I can remember when we we did a radio telethon years ago. And then when the new owners came in, we started to do our W.E.I. Nesson radio telethon, which has been just celebrated 20 years. It's been on for more than 20 years. And Incredible. I can remember Mike Andrews, who played for the Red Sox. On The 67 Dream Team was chairman of the Jimmy Fund at the time, and um Mike said to me, oh, I don't know, you know, it's going to last Friday in August. Who's going to listen? We raised so much more than we ever expected, and I can tell you, I mean, I go to events all the time, but Mike and I were there from 6 in the morning, and we didn't leave until 12 midnight, and we never do that. I mean, you usually go to parts of events and then leave, but it was just so exciting to, you know, you kept raising more and more money. And so it never gets old. It's just and seeing how excited people were and the donors that were calling in and the stories are just amazing. It's um, I can remember it was on the TV, but um, there's a a child named Ben and he was was a teenager at the time. And so they asked him what next. And, you know, he said, I don't worry about my dying. He said, I worry about my parents being really sad after if I die. Mm -hmm. He is now. A really wonderful young man, very successful. He had the treatment that he needed and just, you know, he's a huge success story. And there's so many of those. And the people you meet throughout the years. I mean, the radio telephone just allows us so much visibility to tell our stories. And they're so powerful.
1: Wow. So not only is every every uh, singular and personal experience so meaningful it sounds like what is also so meaningful is on the, the grand scale how the jimmy fund is able to affect the fight against cancer on, on a world stage and and a personal stage
0: so if it's that person doing a, the radio telethon or it's a person doing a lemonade stand or a classroom getting <laughs> together to support a child everyone can feel a part of that success. You don't have to give a million dollars or millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Every nickel and every dime is so important. And, you know, kids go on to be donors and do things through school and through college and as adults, and that sticks with them because it's a meaningful experience.
1: Mm. And it's, may he rest in peace, we just lost one of our, wow. one of our best, one of our most philanthropic, Tim Wakefield. What? That was just such a shock. It was so quick and just
0: he is one of, I mean, all the players have been amazing, but Tim has just been incredible. The things he's done at spring training, he literally, we take a group of kids from the clinic, Lisa Sherber, who runs our activities and is at the Jimmy Fund Clinic, takes a group of kids down to Florida every year. And I can remember, you know, watching them get on the bus and the parents being nervous because they're taking the bus to Logan and um, she gets them down there and it's during spring training and Tim literally saw a kid that was not really able to get into the pool and nervous about it, he picks him up, brings him down and just takes him down where we need to be in the pool and the kid was just, it made his day. I mean, it just put a huge smile on his face, but he just did things without, he just did them because he's Tim, you know, and he just, truly it was from the heart. Um, and he just was amazing. Anything he needed, he would do. And he was one of our, um, original Jimmy Fun co-captains when we started doing that. Actually, he and Clay, Clay Buckles were the first Jimmy wow. Fun poking. So talk about. Yeah. Education.
1: Do you think Tim is Jimmy?
0: No, <laughs> oh, he's amazing. I and mean, it was such, it was a, just a huge loss for everybody, but just to, you know, it just inspires everybody even more to, we don't have all the answers for cancer, obviously. There's some that are pretty tough to treat, and he had one of those. So,
1: Yeah, um, it's it was heartbreaking. I, I think the entire Red Sox community and beyond, right, people all over baseball and all over the world felt the pain of that loss. Yeah, yeah. And what I love about the story that you just shared is so many people know Tim Wakefield uh, as a wonderful person and philanthropist, and, of course, for his yes. knuckleball Yes. Very famously for his yes. knuckleball. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if a lot of people know that personal story. Working with the kids at spring training and and helping kids overcome their their bravery by jumping into the deep end of the pool or the shallow end of the We're pool, just, whatever.
0: Him down and just not even thinking twice about it. Just um, that's just the way he was.
1: He was amazing. Yeah. Did you ever try to throw Tim Wakefield's knuckleball? <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> I don't, very much at all of it but never but he just yeah i think there are very few people who can Exactly. <laughs> and i i think that speaks to to tim as a person and as a player uh but it it also leads me to ask obviously tim wakefield is everyone's favorite red Sox player but you personally are are you a baseball fan did you grow up with the boston red Sox and who is your favorite player growing up and, and getting involved with this organization? I
0: make to date myself. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know the Red Sox. The '67 Dream Team is always—they do a lot for us. They gave the Jimmy Fund one one of their shares of their winnings, mm. and so they've just—they were a group that it seems mostly stayed in Boston. Now people go back home to wherever home is when they're through playing. But so is Rico Petricelli, who he and I started. Um, Rico and I started at the Jimmy Fund at the same time, which was interesting. He oversaw the sports ed and I oversaw all the community activities. And then, you know, Mike Andrews was my boss for, you know, almost 20 years. And he was just an amazing boss. He's so humble and he just was great to work with and knew the Red Sox inside out. But he also knew and appreciated grassroots fundraising. He kind of was took on or came on after ken coleman was chairman of the jimmy fund so there was a lot i i knew ken i didn't work with him but he did a lot of things for us so i don't know who my favorite player would be that's a a hard one i described was pretty popular i met also that my first time volunteering for the jimmy fund i don't think i i was volunteering for the jimmy fund and then as soon as i got my job for the jimmy fund the first thing we did in the fall was a tribute to ted williams and so I got to meet him and, you know, every, we had all these people there in the room and they were all nervous to get, I said, I'll just go get him. He's a guy, you know, <laughs> he said to me, what do you want me to sign? I said, well, I have like maybe 75 things, do you mind? <laughs> <laughs> so he to the room and he was fine. And then he was, he got to meet Ada Gustus in the original Jimmy a few years later, he had great pictures of Ted and um, Ada and the clinic together. So he was, And it was fun doing the tribute. We did it at the Wang Center, and we only picked people to honor him that Ted really liked, like Jackie Robinson and Stephen King. And there were just personal reasons for that. But we were looking for pictures of Ted Williams to put in the program book with the kids. Mm -hmm. We only found one picture because he would literally come in the back door. You know, he didn't love the press. And he didn't do it for press reasons. He just wanted to be with the kids and then he would leave so that no press ever knew that he came. So we never had a lot of pictures of him. So yeah, <laughs> he had a heart of gold, even though he could be kind of, um, kind of rough. So.
1: Yeah, he's, uh, he's like the, the cookie cutter character from your favorite Christmas movie, the yeah. really tough guy. And then when he, the camera is shut off, he's working with the kids. He's giving he's back. Yeah. And I can't wait to rub Jack Webster's nose in this, his favorite baseball player of all time. Uh, is Ted Williams, probably his favorite Red Sox player of all time. Uh, so to let him know that we spoke on Ted Williams and the work that he did with the Jimmy Fund, I cannot wait. I'm going to tell him all about it, Suzanne. It's going to be was, awesome.
0: I mean, I don't even think I knew the magnitude of meeting him and how amazing it was to me. He was doing something wonderful for the Jimmy Fund. I needed to get him point A to point B. And <laughs> it was just, he was a great guy. So And he, you know, did a lot. And I think, you know, between Ted and, and the Red Sox really helped put the Jimmy fund on the map so to speak where we are today
1: and the Red Sox still continue to do that mm. and what what are some of the other ways that the players contribute to the Jimmy fund and the quality of life especially for pediatric patients what are some of the ways that the players are involved
0: we do they'll come and do visits in the clinic uh, when they do the what is it called? The train before they go to spring training. They kind of go around to groups. They'll come into the institute. We have the wives oftentimes will do our events. They've done the scooper bowl for us and other events. They'll come on radio telethon answer the phones. They'll always do interviews on the radio telethon. Some of them have golf. They'll go to golf tournaments. And a lot <laughs> of the players that are retired now will, will still do things. Jim Lomborg's amazing. He's always doing things for us. Um, as I said, Rico. And a lot of, especially the 67 Dream Team. And then others will just <laughs> do it through contacts that they have through our volunteers, not even through us. They may know somebody from the community or somebody knows one of the players, and they'll graciously participate in whatever event it happens to be. Most, A lot of golf tournaments, but other events, too. We've had the mock. Our, Mo Vaughn and Jason Leader. I think that story was a oh, great Oh,
1: I love Mo Vaughn.
0: Yeah, and he, that's this Jason Leader, and... He said to Jason, so what do you want? And he said, I want you to do a home run tonight and he hit the home run and then they <laughs> continued to walk. on, and um uh, Jason's mother had a team in our walk for many, many years and they would the families would walk together, which is really cool.
1: That's incredible. And and not a baseball walk, not like four balls. No, it's a Boston Marathon walk. Yep. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> one of they walked which is twenty twenty six point two miles. I don't didn't really walk the whole thing, but we have different, mm-hmm. you know, amounts. Mileage that you can do it, but they always, that was their time to get together every year. Remember,
1: Jason. So, are any of the Boston Red Sox just incredible golfers too that maybe we don't know about because we see them in the outfield? <laughs> actually, I don't know what I just said, but you can know it. it
0: was Jason Leandry, uh, um Jason Leader, not Jason. We had a Jordan Leandre, but it was Jason Leader that did that. So,
1: um, Jason Leader. Awesome. Yeah. Is he a good golfer?
0: <laughs> but he, was a kid. he was a kid that passed away But Mo Vaughn got friendly with him They did the walk sure. together And then we had Jordan Leandry Who had, was literally in a cast And in a wheelchair at Radio Telethon And So he went out On the field He was We were doing a ceremony on One of the nights of Radio Telethon And all of a sudden the entire bench Went and lifted him up And so then he was back <laughs> He went through May operations And then he was back on several times. And the last time he was on, he was without his cast. And he literally, Mike said to him, Mike Andrews said to him, run the bases. And you're not supposed to really run the bases. And all of that people calling me, who told him to do that? But <laughs> it crazy because here was a child that literally could not walk and had several surgeries and then was able to run the bases. And if you <laughs> literally, which I didn't realize, what? What's going on is if you're a couple of minutes late on a game, the other team can make you forfeit, I guess. So you have to be out of schedule. So but it was just amazing. And people got to kind of know him over the years. And now he's through college. He played baseball in college. And I just saw him. He came to some of our events for the 75th anniversary. and He's doing amazingly well.
1: What a touching story to hear that his in his recovery, he was able to run the bases, which is a dream of every Red Sox fan everywhere, isn't it? Oh well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so kind of unofficially, he did it, but it was it was very powerful. So that was probably one of
0: my standout
1: moments. I'm I'm floored by by some of the experiences that you've had and some of the ways that Jimmy Fund has been able to give back for a lot of the people we have tuning in and listening. Um, what are some ways that people can volunteer or other ways people can look into the Jimmy Fund and support the Jimmy Fund, not just financially, but maybe with their time?
0: So we have many opportunities to volunteer. One of our big ones is our Boston Marathon Jimmy Fund Walk, which happens in October. All along the course, we need volunteers. We often need volunteers. Oftentimes at Scooper Bowl, which will be back on at Government Center this year. In June, so mm. scooping ice cream, just helping with all aspects of that. If you want to uh, participate in something, our Panmash Challenge, which is our largest fundraising event by far, is doing a winter cycle. Their event happens that first weekend in August, where they ride from Massachusetts Sturbridge, to the Cape, Provincetown. They are doing their winter cycle on March 9th. So you can go on the PMC website, and I, I think there are still openings. To, you just do a certain, like an hour of peddling and raise money. And then we have our Strike Out Cancer with a Jimmy Fund event. Mm-hmm. So many things where you pledge a donation. We have our Marathon Challenge, April 15th. We still probably need a few volunteers for that when our runners come in, making sure that you know, they get from the finish line to the recovery zone. And then there's a lot of, if you go on our website, JimmyFund.org, there's just a lot of fundraising events in the community that often need volunteers. You can give blood, you can give platelets if you want to come in to the Institute. We're back doing all of that now post-COVID. And you can support your neighbor or a friend that's participating in an event. You can create your own event. You can do a golf tournament. Pretty much anything you want to do is fair game for the Jimmy Fund.
1: That's that's awesome. So people can, of course, donate financially if they're able, but they can also donate blood. They can donate platelets. They can donate so much more beyond the financial resources right. that will support patients through the Jimmy Fund and the Dana-Farber Institute.
0: And we also have right now our holiday patient assistant program. You can go online and make a gift there that gives some of our patients some extra things that they may need it at the holiday times. Mm-hmm. So that's to me a really great one as well.
1: That's, that's a great piece and we'll make sure to have links and information for that in, in the episode description. Uh, obviously, the big fun question is, as we kind of come to a close here, is how can people donate financially to the Jimmy Fund? What are the best ways to find channels to to give back financially to the organization?
0: So just, again, you can go on either the JimmyFund.org website and they're, Links will take you on Ways to Give or you can go on the Dana-Farber website and it will connect you directly with our office, which is the philanthropy office. And we can there are so many different things you can do. I mean, if you're interested in a specific type of cancer, if you're just supporting a specific program, a specific doc, we're in the last year of our Dana-Farber campaign, which is a seven year campaign to support the Institute and, you know, research and patient care, and we've done extremely well, but there's still many areas of funding that we still need to raise money for, so that's another way that you can get engaged. Think of us, what you're doing here, estate planning. We have a Dana-Farber Legacy Society. If you want to do something, you know, after you pass or with, when you're doing your estate planning, you can even do it now, we have a great office that can work you through all of those details.
1: Wonderful. Well, Suzanne, I'm I'm grateful to have you on. Thank you so much for your time and and answering some of these questions. Of course, some in a, in a bit more lighthearted, fun, but we really touched on on some of the issues and, and some of the things that the Jimmy Fund is able to work with and address. And I think the entire baseball organization is grateful for the work that the team does.
0: Well, thank you. It was such a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> we'll uh, to do one of our events. Scooper Bowl is coming in July in June, or um, oh,
1: next year I would love to I'll rally the troops and uh going to you do that Oh please by all means and all right. I'm in touch with Molly now so so we'll chat with her as well but again right. thank you for your time and we'll talk to you oh, again thank later.
0: you so much it was nice to meet you you <laughs>